You're listening to the Archaeology Podcast Network. Welcome to episode 127 of Life in Ruins Podcast, where we investigate the careers of those living life in ruins. I am your host, Carlton Gover, and I am joined by my co-host, David Ian Howe. Uh, this week's guest is Stefan Milo, who's on for the fifth or sixth time at this point. Numero six. Numero seis, as they say down. Yeah, our longest. Outrageous. Yes, and we keep getting them on. You know, it's fantastic. We love having them. The listeners also love having you, Stefan. And thank you for coming coming back on. Um, how is the offspring doing? Great. Yeah, great. They're my favorite band of all time. I, uh, I presume they're doing well. <laughs> I have two uh, young children. This is why this uh, this podcast is squeezed in. But they're both I doing great. I believe the last time you were here, you only had one. So congratulations on the second. Yeah. Yeah, I'm uh, a fertile man. There's no other way to say it. <laughs> <laughs> Just firing out these kids. Good stuff, man. Yeah, con- congratulations. You know, you are Thank a you. successfully reproductive organism. Yeah, no evolutionary Crushed. dead ends here. No way. <laughs> Not at all. So uh, it, it's been a minute since we've since we've had you on. I think the last time you were on, it's been about a year, I believe. I don't even remember what we were talking about. This it was after the meme war. The meme war was in twenty twenty, I believe. About a year, isn't it? He was only a um oh, Jesus Christ. Christ. Man, it was like six months ago and we talked about why yeah, our evolution. brains have shrunk. Oh shit. Was it that recent? I think so. That was a good episode. I remember that now. Yeah. Like if people were being domesticated. Thank you for the reminder. Yeah. It's been a it's been a long couple months, man, but clearly probably more yeah. so for you. How's the channel doing? Great. Yeah, great. I've uh, started working with an editor, which is exciting. So hopefully that will allow me to just uh, churn out that archaeology content, because now all I need to do is uh, research and and record, and then someone else is going to make me sound intelligible. So it should dramatically <laughs> speed up the process. He edited my next video in one day, and usually it would take me two weeks. So Holy wow. shit. Wow. So he's a real beast. Shout out to Jose. And nice. uh, yeah, where'd you find Jose through Nebula, which is also an agency and streaming platform, which I've joined. And you can go to curiositystream.com forward slash Stefan Milo and sign up for a <laughs> mere $14.79 for an entire year. Okay, so just bear that in mind, listeners of A Life in Ruins. That's awesome, man. I'm glad, glad yeah, to hear congrats, you man. that. Yeah, Thank dude, you, yeah. crushing it. I can't wait for more of your content so I can have you teach the course that my students are paying for. <laughs> uh, yeah, just let me know what you need. <laughs> absolutely, man. Like, that's just, you know, on my lazy days, I just find a Stefan Milo video or uh, and throw it up there. Um, yeah. Kids, enjoy it. If they need comedy, always go to uh, Time Traveling Anthropologist Gives a Neanderthal an Axe, whatever the hell that one is. The, David. Yeah, that one. Yep. You need to bust out more videos, David. Come on. Oh, I know. I know, man. I'm like, all right, I'll do it. I edited some today, but it's just uh, editing of B-roll. It's really fun because you're like, oh, that one's very shaky. Oh, that one is very out of focus. Why did I do this? (laughs) But yeah, yeah, got a bunch done today, though. Yeah, sweet. Yeah. Well, uh, we wanted you on for today because of uh, recent world events. 
And uh, I mean, you're British. That's why. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Racially profiled on a life in ruins. Who can believe it? <laughs> hey, man. Yeah, we we know. Um, and we, I think, uh, yeah, the only other archaeologist is Tosh. Tosh is filming TV shows. And uh, Raven, is Canada still part of the Commonwealth? Do they still have the Queen? Yeah. It is. Yeah, it is. And that's interesting. That's, I'm sure we'll get into all of that later, but it's interesting that they do to me. I kind of uh, don't get it. I don't get it, but they Australia are still part too, of the right? Commonwealth. Yeah. How many countries are in the Commonwealth? I'll look that up. Probably better to look up how many she's head of state for, because some have become republics, but maintained their Commonwealth status. Uh, oh, okay. Damn. Facts. Stefan, where, where about are you from in in England? I'm from Worcester, England. That's right. The United your, your Kingdom, Great Britain, and Northern Ireland. Wait, hold on. I thought that was a joke on Worcestershire. Oh, nope. I can't read. All right, sorry about that. I was like, ah, oh, that's pretty clever. And damn, I'm an idiot. Sorry. Yeah, yeah. That's the only thing my town is famous for, Worcestershire sauce. But. As far as things to be famous for go, that's not bad, I think. Better than you cheddar. Know. You think it's what? <laughs> I don't know about that. Cheddar cheese is a bit of a classic, <laughs> a bit of a staple. More so than Worcestershire sauce, probably. Truth I think everybody right. has a bottle of that sauce in their fridge or pantry and still over here for sure has no idea how to say it. Yeah. Or what to do with it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I guess it goes in like barbecue sauce. It goes in something. I'll, uh, so. I'll put it in a chili. I'll uh, anglicize my Tex-Mex and I'll put Worcestershire sauce in my chili con carne. Damn. All right. Colonizing so are, chili. Are I know. <laughs> so there are 56 countries in the British Commonwealth, but how many uh, is the crown head of state? You you had to school me on this, but I, I, I'll I'll put this out for the audience. There's the Kingdom of Great Britain, or the United Kingdom, mm-hmm. and then you can be British if you are from England, Wales, Scotland, and Northern Ireland. Incorrect. Um, no. Okay. The Irish are Irish, whether they're from Northern Ireland or the Republic of Ireland. They're Irish. Got it. Okay. Britain is England. Britain is literally the island that contains England, Wales, and Scotland. Got it. And Ireland is Ireland, so don't let the Irish catch you throwing that one. You might need to cut that out of this podcast, honestly. Oh, no. <laughs> I'll certainly be chanting David's in a box or Davies in a box. <laughs> the IRA just comes and gets me. Uh when you're in the in Northern Ireland, do you not say your United Kingdomese or something? Or like what what <laughs> I'm pretty sure they uh they will use the word Irish, but Okay. Some may refer to themselves as British, but Every Northern Irish person I've known has uh, considered themselves Irish. Whether okay. or not they want to be a part of the Republic, they still consider themselves Irish. Fair so enough. that's why they say Great Britain and Ireland. That would make sense then. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Perfect. Yeah. And there are 16 countries where the king, well, now king is head of state. Wow, it's a lot. That is, and that includes Canada. Australia. Uh, um, New Zealand. Those are going to be the three big boys. 
Canada, Australia, New Zealand, and Britain. Antigua, Barbuda, Barbados, the Bahamas, Belize, Grenada, Belize. Okay. Jamaica, Papua New Guinea, St. Lucia, Solomon Islands, St. Kitts and Neves, and St. Vincent and the Grenadines. Okay. Yeah. Some of those have uh, various varying relationships with the UK. Some of them are literally UK territories, but others Hmm. are, I think a lot of the Caribbean islands, they're getting rid of the monarchy. They're, They're ditching us quick. Um, but check out. in other countries, like in, uh, I was reading about Canada, it's more complicated because their constitution is so connected to the existence of the crown that it's hard to just throw out, even if they would like to, because they would have to rewrite their entire constitution, which is opening up a big can of worms because the French in Quebec, they're going to, they're going to have some, oh. uh, words to say about a new Canadian constitution is what I was reading. So it's, it's complicated. Interesting. Yeah. Okay. So I guess what was your, y'all's reaction when um, Queen Elizabeth was announced to have passed away? I guess starting with you, uh, Stefan. I don't know. I mean, I, I'm not personally of the opinion that we should still have a monarchy to put that out there. I don't know. I suppose I didn't have a strong reaction, I suppose, maybe because of that feeling. I think a lot of people had expected it to come for a long time is the thing, because she's 96. Her husband was dead. And there's been a lot of stuff in British media for a long time about what we're going to do when the Queen dies. And uh, the day before, I think, or maybe the morning of when that news was announced, all the royal family went to Balmoral, the like Queen's estate in Scotland. And they're all sort of summoned there. And I think a lot of people think she was already dead by then. By the time they said the Queen's ill, I think uh, we're Mm. thinking she's already dead. But they have, because it's not only this, the death of a person, it's like this constitutional event. Right. That they can't, that they're keeping it under wraps for a little bit to get their ducks in a row. So... When they said the queen was ill, I pretty much thought she's already dead. And I think uh, I was right on that. Okay. So but it's not like a Trump's like oh, a grievous sorry. loss for me. Okay. I saw it as the end of an age. Like, uh, I, uh, as we've probably dis- we've discussed on this podcast, like, I'm a huge history nerd. And, like, she's the longest serving monarch, the only monarch that I've known associated with, you know, the United Kingdom and the Commonwealth. You know, I'm only 30, so that doesn't mean much. But when I heard the news that Queen Elizabeth died, I was like, okay, that's a end of a end of an era. Like she brought, she, I mean, she stood with as head of state during some pretty interesting times in in British history, from going from like an empire to a commonwealth. You know, she spanned generations, and it wasn't like I was sad. I mean, I don't care. It was very much of mental note. This has happened, and let's see. I mean, I don't think King is it. He's King Charles now. Who's King Charles who's the Third? Sh- yeah, you, they do have the ability to pick their own name, choose your own adventure style. But he's stuck with Charles, <laughs> right? And that's Elizabeth did the same thing. But so, I mean, King George, Charles does not have long for this world either. Like he's going to be a pretty <laughs> short reigning monarch, I imagine, because he's what in his. Uh, he's got to be coming up on eighty. Yeah. As, I was thinking my whole life, like he should just abdicate and let the son take it because he's going to die soon too. But after watching her go, 
like all of the stuff that like he's prepared for his whole life. Like they're talking about on the news, like he's got to do this and that and like transfer of power. It's like, damn, yeah, he has to do it. It's not so simple. Yeah, it's not so simple. But yeah, you're right, Carlton. It is the end of a, a generation. When Queen Elizabeth became queen, Britain was still literally an empire. on its An empire on its last legs, to be fair. But an empire nonetheless. And that whole generation now who was alive when Britain was an empire is uh, almost gone. Yeah. Almost gone. Anyone who remembers the British Empire is literally an empire is very old now. Like what made it factually become a like change out of an empire to what it is now? Is That's it just a long like a- question. <laughs> the decline okay. of the British Empire, but it was like effectively World War Two in the American Lend Lease program and a bunch okay. of Yeah. This yeah. I think I think it varies for, on country to country because it's been really eye-opening on uh, Twitter seeing the responses of people who lived under the British Empire and in British colonies not like Australia and New Zealand and Canada where you know to speak bluntly the colonization is so was so I don't want to use the word successful because it's Sounds intense. wrong, but yeah, intense that the, the majority population is a descendant of British settlers. Right. I mean, that's successful colonization. That's that's what you colonize. That, like, that is, that is. It just sounds horrible to call it successful. You know, like we really did it well there. But hearing um, stories, particularly from Africa, of like British rule and the violence of British rule, even during Queen Elizabeth's time, has been uh, really eye-opening, honestly. But yeah, yeah, the decline of the British Empire no doubt varied from country to country. In Africa, it seems we really tried to cling on. Like we didn't, we were violently suppressing independence movements even in the 1950s, 1960s. And just kind of going along with my, my previous statement, like in terms of the breadth of people that Elizabeth knew, even as a princess going through World War II, but like Winston Churchill, her first prime minister was born in like the 1800s. Yeah. And she's gone through like 12, 13 prime ministers. I mean, the last one she had for like a couple of days, like right before yeah. she got ill, you know, yeah. but like just kind of like those connect the dots of like, you know, late 1800s and Queen Elizabeth's mind were not that long ago. Right. Yeah. Like that, that span of history that connected, that she was connected to is, is just, why is just bonkers. You know what I mean? That's what I'm right. most amazed at. It's like, we lost that thread. It's like when, for us, like when George Frizen at the University of Wyoming died, like he was this huge connection to the, these past archaeologists and like early 20th century archaeology. When he passed away, he was like one of the last of those guys. And it's like, okay, that connection back to our past as a discipline is, is now severed. Yeah, you but, can never you know, uh, ask them, a, you know, once someone dies, you can never pick their brain again. I'm sure she uh, had some great stories to tell about world leaders. If you got a gin and tonic in her, I bet she could tell you a great story. But <laughs> for me, uh, it's like one I saw it in a meme, like that I think Carlton sent in, <laughs> in a group chat we had with two other people. And I was like, wait, she died because I knew she was ill, but I, was, I didn't have signal. So I had to wait to find out. And then I realized I had XM radio and I could just turn that on. And that I did find she died. But yeah, end of an era. And it's like my parents were born in 57 and 60. 
So she's been the queen since they were born. And like their whole life, it's been that. And like mine too. And yeah, like you've just always heard the queen of England. It's God save the queen, which I had to sing at uh, a Masonic camp when I was a kid. And the Spice Angle Banner. It was weird. I know the words to it now. Don't you have a Masonic camp? Yeah, my dad's whole family is all like Masons. And my mom's. And they made you sing God save the queen? It was like a joint British American camp in upstate New York. It was all British. Maybe counselors. the Empire didn't die; it just became the Masons. <laughs> I was like, "Is that like we a loud underground?" <laughs> but yeah, it's just like, huh? And my parents are so attached; they watch Acorn all day and like all these old British crime dramas and like new shows, and they like watched Downton Abbey and they went to England. Like I saw the Queen, and I was like, yeah, like cool. Yeah, it's an interesting thing, and people here follow it pretty well too, because it's like they're celebrities, I guess. Less so than we care about Boris Johnson. <laughs> so they're definitely, like, yeah, they've definitely become celebrities in uh, some quarters. America, particularly, has a love of the or an interest in the royal family for sure. Which is so funny, you know, it's, considering it's the history. Sick. You'd think right. you'd be like bollocks to these guys, <laughs> but uh, yeah, they are they are popular over here for sure. Like all the you know when you're in. The supermarket and you look at the trashy magazines right before you check out a lot of them frequently talk about the royal family it's kind of fun oh it's yeah the same in britain and on that note we're gonna go ahead and uh, close out the segment we'll be right back with episode 127 with uh stefan milo right after these messages welcome back to your life and ruins podcast episode 127 tuesday i just went australian for whatever reason <laughs> i'm trying just name out english accents and i'll try them but anyway we're back and the queen obviously has has died passed on if you will and now the power has gone to charles the third and we are here talking about the cultural impact of that with our token british fellow chap as it were stefan milo cool blimey so, it's interesting because like i mean you're you're an immigrant from there but like my family came here as immigrants from i think york like long ass time ago like 1600s and they've come over like since then and stuff but like i have no attachment to it whatsoever but it is interesting because it's like when i was watching the changing of the guard and like the funeral which was like pretty sweet like you know just in terms of choreography and like the drumming and stuff i was like damn it's like this is the british empire like happening in front of it like this is like interesting history happening i guess that like we as americans are attached to in a way um i was also very bored sitting in the hotel room like thinking all this and i was like huh so i'm might be far off but i imagine that's why it's all over the news because it's like we do have that attachment to england in like a very unique way is it is it all over the news here? I don't even know. I I haven't even watched it myself, which is oh, great preparation that. for this episode. <laughs> it, yeah. Has it been all over the news here? You would say you would say all over the news. Do you think? I would say I've heard nothing about inflation, and I've heard everything there is to know about Kate and the fact that what's his name Henry and and William won't talk to each other, but now they're there. Harry. Harry, Henry. <laughs> yeah, I don't I, even know. I, I, I did see like Meghan Markle dressed up like Princess Diana at one funeral. And I was like, Meghan, fucking stop. Like the show doesn't always have to be around you. Like she did the exact same thing. It's like, what the fuck? It's like, have some, I mean, like, I, it's not that I don't like them, but I'm like time and place. 
Like that was just such a funny moment to to King Charles. It's like, uh-huh. dude, it just has to make it about her. media are horrible to Meghan Markle. Oh, honestly. absolutely. Like it's absolutely atrocious. And I, I think that's part of what we wanted to get into today is like the impact that she's had or the, you know, the, the, the monarchy's had on the world and whatnot. But I do want to mention though, like as something that they talk about in the news, cause like the whole thing about questioning the, the necessity of the British monarchy. And so I've seen like news commenters, like talk about how like, well, people love to be ruled and that monarchies have been like the staple over the course of human history. And that's just fundamentally not true, right? Like, We've had anatomically modern humans for, what, 200,000 years? Uh-huh. And we don't really have, like, the first monarchies until, like, 6,000 years ago. Like, Ur, yeah, I mean, Uruk, like, Mesopotamia and Egypt. Like, like this form of social hierarchy and a ruling class in terms of, like, the breadth of human history is very minute. Now, granted, like, at the scale of organizing massive populations, sure, but to say that humans love to be ruled it's like i I don't know we were totally fine i mean Artie could have been i don't know about it i don't like calling i don't know i don't know about that i mean i certainly hate the automaticness of it you know yeah everyone that everyone immediately started calling prince charles king charles he hasn't even been coronated yet Mm. and i can't help but feel this is just to legitimize his power to start mm-hmm. referring to him as king, but no one asked me, you know, and, and uh, <laughs> I, uh, I, I don't like it. I don't like it at all. I don't like it at all. And even if monarchies have been very common since, you know, the Bronze Age, what other aspect of Bronze Age life am I looking to now to provide guidance in my life? <laughs> Do you know what I mean? None. That's a really like, good point. Bronze. Yeah. <laughs> Like, I don't frankly, you know, care what Sargon of Akkad did. You know, I want my kids to go to a good school and Britain's made a constitutional reform and this sort of stuff. Yeah. I guess as an objective party, like, it just seems to me, like, when I went to England and, like, I went to London specifically, like, there's all the... If you go to New York, there's a Statue of Liberty, like, gifts and, like, the Empire State Building gifts and stuff you can get. Um, and all like the tourist shops and over there it was all union jack stuff royal family stuff like plates with them on it and stuff and cutlery i would use the english word but to me it's like the monarchy is just a quintessentially quintessentially british thing like it's just something you guys have and it's like oh yeah we have a queen and the people at the camp kind of told me that too but like is it more of like an older conservative generational thing where they're like, yeah, it's fine. And like younger people are like, whatever. Or is it kind of like, would your parents be like, whatever? You don't have to give me their political opinions. but I think most uh, people are either agnostic to it or in favor of it in Britain. I think if you took a vote tomorrow, should Britain become a republic, it would fail. Hmm. But I think... It would succeed in Scotland. I think Scotland would become a republic tomorrow. England and Wales and Northern Ireland, hard to say. England would for sure vote no. I think there is a generational element to it. I think young people will care less. I think the Queen had been Queen for so long 
it was impossible to imagine Britain without her in a way. You know, but this next generation, Prince Charles, he's not going to be king long. And then William, William's basically my age. I certainly don't feel like bowing down to him. And then his <laughs> freaking kids. I mean, am I going to bow to them? Are my kids going to bow to them? I certainly hope not. So I think the more we go down in time, maybe respect for the monarchy will decline. But these things have a way of clinging on. They really do. There's a lot of a lot you would have to change to get rid of the monarchy because it's so tied up in the constitution or lack thereof of Britain. Like if you were to get rid of the monarchy, even if in the most like peaceful scenario, it's a political revolution. We have to totally reorganize the country. And I feel like that is why they they cling on, honestly. Because it's they just maintain the status quo and everyone's just uh, ticking along under it. But we're pasting over the cracks of the British constitution. Like the country is a, is in a terrible state right now, I would say. And a part of that is because we need major reform politically. In terms of like monarchies across the globe, compared to like Thailand, where it's like illegal to talk shit about the king or queen, and they don't even have a parliament, I don't think. Spain also has a king mm-hmm. and they're like, much more greatly reduced. But I know like when it comes to the British market monarchy in particular, like one of the big pros for getting them out is like just how expensive it is to maintain and support the British royal family. Yeah, that's a controversial point. Some people in Britain would say they bring in loads of money. Okay. My opinion is that's absolute nonsense. You know, the French cut King Louis' head off and lots of people still visit Versailles. People are still going to visit <laughs> London. Maybe more people will visit if they could actually go inside Buckingham Palace. Who knows? Oh, damn. Uh, but in terms of how the monarchy is funded, they have these estates, as they're called, where all the revenue goes into the British government and then they're given a percentage back or a, a set amount back back i think it's something like 300 million they get back a year or something and the royal family gets that money or you're saying that they give that back yeah so all the states these estates that are held under the british crown that they're quote unquote property all the income goes to the government and then the royal family gets something like 300 million pounds back a year to you know sort their affairs out so fly to epstein's island if you're andrew Exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 I went, yeah, we can't talk about what he's done without tanking this episode. But yeah, basically, yeah. Private I flights did. to Epstein's Island. I did notice on CNN, they were like, if you see now, uh, Prince Char- or was it Harry and William are wearing their military garb. Charles is wearing his garb. And if you see, Andrew is not. And then they just went over to like the next thing and kept talking. Andrew was. Andrew was. It was Harry. I thought he was just wearing. Oh, oh, oh. Harry wasn't. Yeah. He was stripped of something, though. He didn't have something on. Or I guess they're just saying his titles. But Hmm. but yeah, so they get that money back. And people that love the royal family would say, oh, see, they give away like three quarters of their wealth to the government. I would say. They only have that wealth because if any one of our ancestors disagreed with them, they would be brutally tortured and executed. And we don't even have to give them the 300 million. You know, we could, that 300 ah. million we give back to them, we could just also keep. So, 
I don't see. Uh, I d- I disagree with that, but I I guess then we're getting into the meat of it because I, I remember sitting. What was it? The the Jubilee or whatever. And then she was talking to Paddington Bear. I was at my parents' house and I was like, like, why is this on our news? And my mom was like, because it's cute. And I'm like, yeah, it's like objectively cute. But like, why doesn't she give the money to make that animated Paddington Bear? Like, you know, to ghettos in Jamaica. And they were like, well, it's just tradition. And I'm like, what are you talking about? Did you not see that? No. What are you? Paddington Bear? What? Stefan probably knows. He backed me up here. I saw, uh, yeah, there's some little uh, skit where she was with Paddington Bear. She was also in the previous James Bond, I think, just for a moment. And she ordered the political assassination of someone. <laughs> like, what? <laughs> Probably um, the only time she's been able to do that. Uh, well, anyway. as far as we're aware, who knows? Yeah. <laughs> like I understand this tradition and everyone like they were putting the microphone in people's face outside Buckingham Palace and there was a lady with a hijab there was a, a black woman from Jamaica saying like you know she was our grandma like we loved her she was a sweet old lady and like that was her persona publicly sure that's what we see but like at the same time I'm sure Carlton you would agree with this like and uh, Stefan maybe too like just abolish it and give all that money to like you know the colonies that are just raped by them <laughs> like i i don't know like the correct word colonized by them and had like intergenerational you know poverty because of it i don't know you guys take it from here but i think it'd be interesting i mean stefan kind of as, as he's alluded to some of these countries are so their constitutions are just are just so interwoven with the monarchy and you try to get rid of the monarchy that's that's going to reverb pretty big. We have 37 countries across the globe. Now, granted, like 25 of those are small states, but all of a sudden you take their executive power out of the loop and there's a power vacuum. It'd be, you know, political revolution is is tricky to yeah. say the least. It can go, it can get pretty bad pretty quick. I think in a lot of places, the end of the monarchy would be peaceful in the majority of places but it's opening a can of worms that maybe the current executive governments they just don't want to open they're already in power the constitution if it's a british colony is already probably suitably vague that they have vast sweeping powers over every aspect of life and they realistically other than britain they're all colonies and so let's say you're in New Zealand and you get rid of the monarchy. Now, all of a sudden, you're rewriting the country's constitution. Hmm. How do you define the rights of the Maori population versus the rights of the European population or the, the European de- descendants? The same in Canada, the same in Australia. You know, everyone is suddenly Ooh. has this ability to uh, demand more. Not necessarily wrongly, but certainly, you know, it's like a wiping of the slate. Now, now suddenly everything's back on the table. Do you know what I mean? Like uh, like, like kind of going with the UN declaration for indigenous rights, like all the countries that didn't sign it were English in some ways, like the US, Canada, New Zealand, Australia were like, no indigenous people were not signing this shit. (laughs) Exactly. Exactly. (laughs) You know, that's a... New Zealand seems to have the most harmonious relationship between the indigenous population and the European population from an outside perspective, it seems. 
But even then, I know it's not very harmonious. And you talk about right. Australia, there's massive racism, as far as I'm aware, against Aboriginals. Like if you look at the prison population in some right. Australian regions, it's Aboriginal people. Uh, Canada too. Uh, basically, yeah. So, yeah, I, I think we should have that moment of political reform, but it's hard, but uh, will various governments uh, do that? I don't know. I don't know. Yeah, that's really an interesting point. I didn't think about that. And I, I saw so many memes and like Instagram stories and stuff of people being like, good rot. <laughs> like the queen when she like, <laughs> I was like, damn. Uh, but it was like, saying like she had direct involvement with you know the the boarding schools in Canada or like the stuff that was going on in is it e- not Ethiopia Kenya Kenya right Kenya and like how much does the little old queen actually have in like say in the stuff that goes on disseminating down to those people they are probably abusing laws and systems and stuff you know so like it's just like the the complete bashing of this woman like while she was still warm was like intense to me. I didn't expect that. But I also understand like indigenous friends that I'm looking at, I'm like when they post stuff like that, I'm like, oh okay. I mean I I, I can't really empathize, but I get it. To speak about Kenya, I actually had no idea until the Queen died that Britain brutally suppressed Kenyan independence. Me neither. To the point where we're killing thousands of people torturing them to death in concentration camps after world war ii some of i'm sure some of the british soldiers who were doing that had liberated concentration camps in europe and seen the horror there and then were suppressing violently kenyan independence as well now not to say that it was exactly like the holocaust obviously the scale is different, but if that's your family, what do you care about the scale of the destruction? If your family's being tortured and killed, you right, shouldn't care. Why should you care? <laughs> and the yeah. queen, in the day-to-day, does not have any role over that, obviously, but she's a massive beneficiary of that system mm-hmm. and is the figurehead of that system. <laughs> and I, you know, if I was a Kenyan... I'm sure I'd feel the same way. I'd be like, fuck this old biddy. Like, these guys literally like tortured <laughs> my granddad to death. Am I going to give a fuck about her? You know, to call a spade a spade, if I was Kenyan, why why would I care about that? But it's so crazy to me that we did that and I had no knowledge of that whatsoever. And I'm really into history and took every history class at every level of British education. And no one once even mentioned and even in passing mentioned that we had brutally suppressed this independence movement. I found that deeply shocking. I did. I, that's hard to, it's like that moment where it's like, Oh wait, we're the baddies. (laughs) 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 Uh, uh, And on that note, let's uh, pick it up in the next segment. (laughs) And welcome back to episode 127 of Life Ruins Podcast. We are here for the sixth time again, segment three with Stefan Milo, continuing our con- true, not controversy, conversation about well, uh, the passing of uh, Queen Elizabeth the second, The second, The unburnt yeah. queen of the great grassy mother of dragons and 
we're low of the seven kingdoms. One of my favorite memes that came out of the 2012 uh, London Olympics was just like seeing the queen, like look at the parade of nations. And it says in subtitles, like look at all the countries I used to own. (laughs) (laughs) Oh boy. Anyways. So, um, yeah, colonization's a bitch, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Poor Kenya. So, there's, uh, there's no question. It tarnishes our reputation. I think that's safe to say. <laughs> we're uh, the baddies. <laughs> we're the baddies. Yeah, I saw like I, I saw a couple things like about the colonization thing. Like there was like North like indigenous people belonging to nations within the United States were were bashing it. And I was, you know, from a historical perspective, like the United States getting independence is really what fucked over most indigenous people in in the continental United States. Because the king at that time, like there was that deal that that pissed off colonists. We talked about this in one episode where one of the primary issues that um, people wanted to leave the crown was the crown had set up a rule that said you cannot go past the Appalachian Mountains. Like that is Indian territory. We'll never cross that. You guys are colonies on the East Coast and that's all you'll ever be. And like, you think they wouldn't cross it? And then they were like, you know, fuck you, King George. And then they crossed it. And it's like, you know, from, from where I come from, my family comes from in, in the Nebraska, like our big baddies were the Spanish. Like we were tight with the French and we were dealing with the Spanish aggression. Like that's who our first European power of problems was never. It never really became England. We just dealt with the French Spanish and then the United States. So like the King or queen of England never had real bearing over our ancestral um, territory in the plains. And so I never really got, like, I can understand as, as we talked about like Kenya, New Zealand, these other folks, like I can understand why those indigenous populations have issues with the, with the monarchy, but I never saw that play out necessarily in uh continental U S but. It's interesting. Yeah. How, um, I mean, you say that the British said, don't go past the Appalachian mountains, but you know, Canada goes from coast to coast. Do you know what I mean? It's <laughs> yeah, not exactly yeah. like we, we stuck hard <laughs> and fast to that rule. And if I was an indigenous Canadian or, or a member of the First Nations, I, I think they prefer to be called, how do I feel about the British monarchy? You know, that's, mm-hmm. uh, I imagine not favorably. I imagine uh, yeah. I would not. Oh, oh, yeah, no, they do not. <laughs> yeah. But day-to-day life in Britain, realistically, we're just not thinking about all that stuff. Do you know what I mean? Like the average British person going about their daily life, the queen is is the queen. You know, obviously we love our own people. We have a fondness of our traditions, even if I personally think we need to uh, reform them. There's still like that sort of attachment to your own country and your own people and your own traditions. And day to day, we're, you know, we're just living our lives. It's sad to say we're just not thinking of Kenyan independence movements or the treatment of Canadian indigenous people in a day-to-day life. We only tend to think about them when these big moments happen. Yeah. So. I mean, how much power does the royal family actually have? Like, aren't aren't they mostly just kind of figureheads and like they meet with the prime minister once a week to basically be like. People say, people say they're a figurehead. In theory, they're a figurehead. I disagree. I disagree. First of all, who has a direct line to the leader of the country every week? 
That's a powerful, even just to voice your opinion in front of someone like that every single week, week in, week out, is a powerful position to be in. Secondly, because of the constitutional ambiguity of all these countries, because everything is just invested in the crown and all layers of government are merely acting as a representative of the crown, let's say King Charles does give an opinion on something or he does say what it should, you know, a law should be like. Even if ultimately the countries don't listen to him, just the fact that one person could like utter a sentence and cause a constitutional crisis in half the world <laughs> is like a mad, it's like a mad situation to be in, you know? Yeah. yeah. Like imagine like so much of Canada, for example, is crown land and you could substitute crown for the state in that scenario. It's no different really from the US federal government owning land. Except that in this situation, the crown is also literally a person living in London. <laughs> and, uh, you know, Uncle Sam, it would be like Uncle Sam actually being real. Like a guy in Washington is called Sam. And he, in theory, is like the deed holder to everything. The thought That's of it. Uncle Sam like popping on at a campsite in Yellowstone just checking on people. Is yeah, in his like big uh, red and white <laughs> suit, red, white, and blue <laughs> suit. His, his pinstripe, like red and yellow, red and white, or uh, white and red. Uh, Only you can prevent forest fires, brother. <laughs> Pop yeah. But That's what if he didn't say, Only you can prevent forest fires? What if he said, Get off my picnic table? This is my <laughs> picnic table now. <laughs> <laughs> you know. It's, Get uh, out the it's Appalachians. <laughs> yeah. So I'm obviously no legal expert. I'm no legal expert. But as I said, if someone can cause like could cause huge political damage through just like the uttering of a few words, to me, they're still powerful people. Yeah, that's fair. They have a lot of influence that way. Um, I, th I think it's interesting you bring up the point of... Uh, you know, like you'd have to rewrite the monarchy, like constitutions everywhere. I see all this stuff about like cancel Canada. And like, there's like these people that like, they'll put the duct tape over the mouth. That's like, you know, it's signifying in the loss of indigenous agency and stuff in, in the past, but like, cool. Like if you want to cancel Canada, it's fine. But like, what happens the next day? Like, d do we just resort back to anarchy like i don't understand like what happens next like i understand the movement and i like support their their feelings but like it would be insane like to to new zealand australia canada like just completely write the constitution to favor indigenous people the next day and a lot of that's largely due to the crown <laughs> which is like interesting i don't it's just it's complicated yeah i mean what system would you replace it with you just get a president as the executive branch that's like the go-to now right like you get a you just yeah install you would have to you'd have to do a lot i mean at least in terms of britain the power britain is uk is in theory made up of four countries but their governments and the powers of each of those governments are not well defined all of them have representatives in parliament in london but scotland also has a parliament wales has an assembly which is different to a parliament for some reason they have less powers and, you know, if if we're rewriting the Constitution, if I was a Welsh person, I would think, why should my government have less powers over my life than a Scottish government? Hmm. And, uh, you know, the same in Northern Ireland. They have less powers. Northern Ireland, the government of Northern Ireland gets literally shut down all the time by the government in London when they can't reach an agreement because of their various you know political issues. But again, if I was a Northern Irish person, why should my vote 
be worth less than a Scottish person's vote. And then there are regions of England, like all the regions of England. If you're not from London, London dominates the entire country. It's because it's not only the biggest financial center, but it's a big political center. It'd be like New York and Washington, D.C. and your state capital were all in the same location. Right. And so it just sucks money and power out of every region of Britain. And all of these, if we get rid of the monarchy and suddenly everything's up for grabs, we need to define these relationships that at the minute are not defined. And that's so difficult. And with the colonies, I don't know what you would replace it with. I don't know what you would replace it with. That's this issues are so complicated, but I would imagine that there are the treaties we signed with indigenous nations are frequently ignored. Mm -hmm. And I would imagine if we're rewriting the constitution, those nations would want it that they couldn't be ignored, you know, but it's so complicated. I don't know. Yeah. I don't know how you feel, Carlton. I mean, it's, it's a cluster. I mean, like I'm dealing with trying, like I've been bitching about this in group text, like, like redoing the Pawnee nation constitution, like with a group of 50 people for a, you know, a tribal nation with 3,500 trying to redo our, almost 100-year-old constitution, and that is a fucking nightmare. I couldn't imagine something the scale that Stefan's talking about, where it's like how just by removing the monarchy, not only is it just, okay, the United Kingdom's government, but then all the different countries that make up the United Kingdom, how they all interact with each other, and then all the colonies. Like, that's like that's that's crazy. That That's a process that can't, like, can't be done overnight. That would take the better part of a decade to bring a lot of people together to, to figure this out. Because, you know, just the removal of the United Kingdom from the European Union is still an ongoing cluster block. It's a nightmare. Hmm. Like, that's... Yeah, man. You would have to approach it with the perspective of, like you said, this is gonna, this is not gonna happen overnight. We, you would have to say something like, "Okay, King Charles is not gonna be king on whatever January first, twenty thirty-five." And so now we've basically got this time to figure out what will replace him and get those uh, things to work. But mustering that kind of political will across many nations, uh. So difficult, so difficult. Mm-hmm. Every nation realistically would have to come up with their own solution, of course, but but uh, it would be uh, what a lot of paperwork. If nothing else, what a lot of paperwork. <laughs> yeah. I mean, we figured it out, but that was before, you know, well, there was a war <laughs> and like it didn't, didn't go quickly. Yeah. And then we became a superpower. Well, it took a but- civil war too, in a way, you could argue. Yeah, with England, yeah. No, but also the American Civil War, you oh. could argue that those are like issues of s- like states' what independence a- that when... I, obviously, it was about slavery. Don't at me on Twitter, guys. I know it was about slavery. Sure. <laughs> but, but you know, I'm sure the slaveholders considered these uh, issues of, of states' rights in, in some way. Right. And so you could argue that like even America's independence from Britain took like a hundred years and two wars to sort out potentially. That's very true. It's like, what does a former colony 
now just like autonomously decide between itself and then it rips itself in half. That's actually interesting. I guess like the, the former Soviet Union you could look at like when they communism goes away in the 90s, they all split up into little republics, I guess, in a way. But are they really autonomous? You know, we could argue that or not, but. Well, they also have had gone through many wars, one of which is still ongoing. Shout out, like, to use the example of the former Soviet Union, Russia is in the process of invading Ukraine. Moldova right. is split in half. Armenia and Azerbaijan are fighting a war. Georgia is fighting a war. Kyrgyzstan and uh, Uzbekistan have also started a small war, I believe, during what? this time. Oh, yeah, shit. because Russia was the figurehead of this sort of security agreement. And now that Russia's in a weak position politically, everyone's, uh, every, yeah. again, everything's <laughs> up for grabs. I don't think it would be that way with Canada and Australia and New Zealand, but, <laughs> right. it, was, yeah. it, but it would still take so much political will to begin a process of like restructuring your society. It takes just a huge amount of energy. It's going to be the only thing you do for the next 10 years. Yeah. Sure. And then there's going to be, there's still going to be ripple effects from that. Like you're going to have to work out the kinks. Yeah. You know, and then what happens to the Royal family? You get rid of them. Do they just end up, apparently the, the German Royal family still exists. Yeah. I mean, they all like, they just become wealthy private citizens. I suppose I would take 90% of their stuff. If it was me, if you ask me, I'm going to give them, I'll be generous and I'll leave them one palace. But I get to pick it. <laughs> not, they're not picking it. They're not picking Buckingham Palace in the center of London as their crib. No way. <laughs> and all the treasures inside it. They would just become, yeah, they would just become your regular millionaire with a cool family story, I suppose. Right. I, I mean, I guess not to play devil's advocate, but like in the sense of watching it as an anthropologist, like, the queen lying in state, like a funeral thing, and it's like a state thing, and there's like millions of people pouring in to like mourn, and like the whole parade through London with the coffin, and like just like the guards changing while she's lying in state and stuff, and like him addressing the the nation. It is interesting culturally to see like this is a huge English like world culture on display with all this like pageantry that's like traditional, but. Like, and then it gets to the argument, like, is it necessary? I don't know. I just found it impressive, I guess would be the word. But I also understand there's a lot of asterisks on that impressiveness. Like, I wouldn't even say a lot of asterisks. I would say a lot of blood on the <laughs> on the, that pageantry. It is also like impressive. her family created that, that televised pageantry. You know what I mean? Like, mm -hmm. King George, his was not televised. Right. Like I understand like Prince Philip, like his, his was televised, but he started this whole allowing the, the monarchy to be shown through these different multimedia. And so like, that's when I saw the queen lying in state, I was just like, holy shit, I am in Indiana and I can see this procession of, of people for a world leader mm -hmm. occurring. Like what, that that's bonkers to me. You know what I mean? Like that's the first time a member of the royal family, like aired, like jit blood, jit, you know, royal family. We can see this happen in real 
real time. So like a lot of these events that we've seen, like the, the marriages and all that other stuff, it's like, that's super recent in terms of even just the breadth of the British monarchy, the yeah. ability for just random people, not just the nobility of, of, of European royalty, but for everyone across the world to see that that's fucking nuts. I think, yeah, I think it's been a conscious, uh, decision to cultivate their celebrity to mm-hmm. you know make sure they're relevant in people's lives like queen victoria she like when her husband prince albert died she basically just like dipped out for the rest of her life like 20 years didn't do anything hmm. and uh the monarch realistically doesn't have that ability anymore if you know king charles i even hate calling him king charles if Citizen Charles chose to do the same thing, <laughs> there would be uproar. There'd be uproar. I think they have to maintain that celebrity to keep in people's minds. Hmm. I think the worst thing from them, from their perspective, would be for people to stop thinking about them because then it's really like, what do we need these guys for? Who's that? Oh. So yeah. I think, like, the, I think it's, uh, you know, they are very deliberately visible i would say but people's feelings of of love for them are genuine for sure people are queuing up for a long time to see them i know people that i know people who are approaching 70 who queued up for 24 hours just to walk past the queen's coffin for you know five seconds so that's wild people's uh, feelings of love for them are genuine and and i do understand it. i do understand it because there's, there's that feeling in everyone to sort of love their own people and to love their traditions. Even when, even me, who would abolish them tomorrow, when I saw like everyone on Irish Twitter celebrating, <laughs> it's sort of like, um, you know, it's like, whoa, 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 this is for us to sort out Ireland. Okay, calm down, calm down. Like, uh, even if I agree with you, understand you, you know, once someone else starts talking badly about your country, you get your back up in a, in a defensive way. Fair. And I, I don't know that that's obviously not unique to British people. I'm sure all of us could criticize America right now. But if one of you guys went to France and this French guy just wouldn't shut up about America's problems, you'd probably be like, all right, Pierre, what's so great about <laughs> France? <laughs> you know? Yeah. No, 100%. So, I do understand that. I do understand and sympathize. I would care a lot less if Britain had a monarchy if we didn't need all this other constitutional reform, in my opinion. You know, if we went through all of that process and at the end of it was like, oh, let's keep the king. I'd be like, okay, whatever, fine. But all of all of the countries of the Commonwealth, ultimately we're delaying this moment of like reform. I personally feel like, like we're just kicking the can down the road for another hundred years or whatever. Yeah. Interesting but points, it's, man. It's been really cathartic to rant about this because everyone else I know loves the royal family and they'll just tell me to shut up. So I really appreciate a life in ruins for giving me this opportunity to vent politically about the royal family. <laughs> well, I bet like part of that is probably a safety net because the Commonwealth functions like a mini NATO. Like if you fuck with any one of those countries, you have 36 more countries coming after you. Oh, I, I don't know about that. that. I don't know. I don't know. 
Because in a lot of constitutions, including Canada, Australia, New Zealand, like in order for them to deploy troops anywhere, they have to like, for instance, the Canadian constitution, I believe this is my understanding. You have to ask the Queen of Canada to use the troops like the prime ministers of those countries don't actually have military authority. They have to get permission to use the Queen's boys. In theory, yeah, that is a rubber stamp. Like in Britain, the army swears allegiance to the Queen. It doesn't swear allegiance to any government. Yeah. They all Hmm. swear allegiance to the Queen. And again, (laughs) the problem with that is, is that like fascists (laughs) use that to be like, actually, Britain doesn't have to uphold democracy. You don't have to vote. We, you know, the army is only loyal to the queen and we can like suppress your opinion anytime we like. Yeah. Certainly Britain has like formal defense relationships with the big colonies, Canada, Mm -hmm. Australia, New Zealand. If any of those countries go to war, I'm sure we would go to war too. But and also NATO countries. Yeah, I'm sure. Yeah, but if Barbados had a fight with Bermuda, <laughs> like who's yeah, whose side are we go on? I don't know. <laughs> it's like the end of Squid Game. It's like yeah. you watch. <laughs> well, probably Bermuda because Bermuda is literally still like literally a property of the UK. Uh, so we've probably got Bermudas back in that example. But Bermuda, Barbados versus Jamaica, who knows? Who knows? Man, I'd love to see uh, Argentina try to take on the Falklands again. Like, who would have thought that was going to be a flashpoint? I will. Can, I'm just going to throw this out there because it, it's the tail end of the episode. And maybe no one's listening right now. But of all the crimes of the British Empire, of all the terrible things that we've done, of all the legitimate fights for freedom and independence that have been waged against Britain. The Falkland Islands is not one of them. That is ours. (laughs) 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 The island is like, in my opinion, legitimately ours. (laughs) There was no one living there. We're the first people to live there. What are they on about? Where are those? They're outside of Argentina. They're right by Argentina. <laughs> way out in the middle of nowhere. It's just sheep and some British sheepers, uh, yeah. shepherds, dude. Like it's it's and like the sheepers. Yeah, dude. The the, too, right? the amount of money the United Kingdom spent on keeping those islands is just look it up. What happened to the Falcons is just fantastic. Well, that um, might be. Uh, my friend is in the Royal Navy. And he spent a large part of his uh, career in the Royal Navy escorting ships that are prospecting for oil in the British territorial waters around the Falklands Islands. So it might not be just cheap for very long. You know, it might, might have been a worthwhile investment in the end. Well, Stefan, as always, it's a pleasure having you on the show, man. We really appreciate you taking out the time of your busy schedule being a, a content producer and a, and a father. Once again, congratulations on, on the six-week-old. Yeah, I mean, where can our listeners uh, find you on uh, on the webs? You can plug. You can uh, find me in the cafes of London organizing the next revolution. <laughs> <laughs> nah, probably not. Probably not. <laughs> you can go to youtube.com forward slash Stefan Milo. That's the best place to check me out. Unless you want to sign up for Nebula, which is a mere $3 a month, go to nebula.com forward slash Stefan Milo. And uh, yeah, sign up that way. Sorry, I shouldn't plug sponsorships on someone else's show. <laughs> no, please do it. No, yeah, no, please. God, yeah. All right. Well, then also hit up uh, hellofresh.com forward slash Stefan Milo. And uh, get yourself some lunch too. That's not really. That's not really a sponsorship. Sorry, 
I've, I've drunk too much gin. Sorry, carry on. <laughs> it's, it's a pleasure. It's a pleasure to be here. <laughs> Uh, yeah, and we're also brought to you by Fire, uh, brought to you by Homo Erectus. That wasn't funny. Uh, anyway. Uh, that could be like be- a Viagra supplement, though. We're brought to you by Fire. <laughs> it's just called Fire. Fire and Homo Erectus. <laughs> nice. Okay, uh, we're going to look that one up and see if they can sponsor the podcast. Uh, Carlton, you got anything? Yes. If you're listening to the show on the All Shows feed, please stop. We really deeply appreciate everything that you do and listening to us on the All Shows feed. However, in order for us to get um, sponsors and advertisers, we really need those metrics to come from our own independent show. So please, if you're following us on the All Shows feed, download and subscribe directly from a Life Ruins podcast. We promise you'll still get it every time, but it helps our channel grow. Yeah, please be sure to rate and review and uh, you can follow us on the socials. And yeah, I think that's it. And with that, we are out. Thanks for listening to a Life in Ruins podcast. You can follow us on Instagram and Facebook at a Life in Ruins podcast. And you can also email us at a Life in Ruins podcast at gmail.com. And remember, make sure to bring your archaeologists in from the cold and feed them beer. This episode was produced by Chris Webster from his RV traveling the United States, Tristan Boyle in Scotland, DigTech LLC, Cultural Media, and the Archaeology Podcast Network, and was edited by Chris Webster. This has been a presentation of the Archaeology Podcast Network. Visit us on the web for show notes and other podcasts at www.archpodnet.com. Contact us at chris at archaeologypodcastnetwork.com.